Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. During worship today, he was showing me the four living creatures. The four living creatures that are covered with eyes all over their, their being. And they are set before God's throne to gaze at God. That is their sole function is to look at God. And as they open their eyes and look at God, the declaration that comes out of their mouth is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And when you read in Revelation 4, it says that they have been declaring that song from eternity past. Eyes eyes covering them, they look at God. That is the only thing that they they can declare is holy, holy. And Morgan began this service about distraction, okay? We live in probably the most distracted generation that has ever graced this planet. But God is vying for our eyes, our eye gates. I remember Lori, before she left, she talked about that verse, Psalm 24. One thing I desire, this one thing I seek to gaze at the beauty of the Lord. Guys, this is our inheritance, that we would have eyes to see the beauty of the Lord. So let's pray. We need to ask God to help us, to turn off our our TVs, our phones, our radios, to pray over our children. They are being onslaughted with distractions. We need to pray over their eyes, their ears, that, that God would capture their gaze because there is nothing more joyful to the human spirit than when we actually have worship flowing inside of our being. There's nothing more pleasurable on this earth. When we begin to touch the pleasure of loving God, nothing else compares. We wanna give ourselves to it fully. So let's pray for our own hearts. Let's pray for our children, okay? So Father, we thank you today, God, that you have given us eyes to see You have given us a spirit to behold the beauty of the Lord. God, we say forgive us for the ways that we allow ourselves to be distracted. But God, we believe you are giving abundant grace in this hour. God, where the enemy has come in to flood this generation with distraction. God, we say meet that and capture our gaze. Capture our gaze, God. Reveal your beauty to our hearts, God, that we can worship you in fullness, in truth, oh God. You've made us for this, God. You've created us to behold beauty. Let us behold the beauty of the Lord. So all across this room, Holy Spirit, I just ask, begin breathing upon hearts, breathing upon hearts, the knowledge of who you are. Give us the grace, God, to sit before you, to shut other things down, to simply gaze upon you, God. Father, for our children, abundance of grace, God, to seek you first above all things, that they would be ones that say, this one thing I seek, to behold the beauty of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We declare you are the beautiful one. You are the one that we seek. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. I'm excited for this word. I'm excited for where he's taken us and what he's revealing to us to get us where he wants us to be. And uh, I'm going to share a little bit about the Sermon on the Mount. But turn, if you are you in Matthew 5? Yeah. Read with me just a little bit here, and then I'll, I'll back up. Matthew 5 and 1. Matthew 5 and 1. Seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples come to him. Jesus opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, they're going to be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll, they'll obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they're going to see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's a Sermon on the Mount. In chapter 4, Matthew in chapter 4, Jesus is led to the wilderness. We know this, 40 days and 40 nights to fast and pray. And then as he comes out of the wilderness after this season of fasting and prayer, uh, he's immediately tempted by Satan. Jesus overcomes Satan's manipulation, and the devil flees. How many understand this morning if the enemy is going to try to manipulate the Son of God, he's going to try to manipulate you. We need to not be naive in that. Jesus overcomes it. <clears throat> he begins his earthly ministry. Go back one chapter to chapter 4, and uh, let's just um, jump in at verse 23. Just these three verses right here. And Jesus went about Galilee in chapter 4 and verse 23. He was teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And he was healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. Then his fame went throughout all, the, throughout all Syria. And they brought him to all the sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments. In other words, he healed people and he set people free. And those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and the, par uh, the paralytics, and he healed them. And verse 25 says, a great multitude now. He was preaching, he was teaching, he was healing, he was delivering, he was setting people free. And then it says, a great multitude of people now are coming after him. They're following him from Galilee, from Decapolis, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. And then we go into verse 5, which is what we just read, which begins this this famous sermon, this message that Jesus preaches on the, on, on the mountain. And so he, Jesus, seeing this multitude of people, he goes up on this mountain overlooking Galilee, and he preaches this sermon. It is, it is the most concise and precise presentation of what he wants in terms of of kingdom life for his followers. 
And it's just beautiful what God's already putting on the hearts of our people because, man, I just, I've always got so many things I feel like the Lord's given me and showing me and things I'm wanting to preach on is about heart. And, and man, just this past week, I've been, I've been just wrecked in this, on the, in these three chapters. And then, and then again, I come back to this point of, of what he's saying, and truly it's the clearest description of a kingdom lifestyle. And so with that being said, I'm just going to drop this in here, that starting, starting this coming Wednesday, this Wednesday night, I'm going to be leading a six-week in-depth study on the Sermon on the Mount, on these three chapters. And I really encourage you to be here it's, it's not just a feel-in word for Wednesday night. This is the word of the Lord that he's bringing. We're going to get revelation out of it. We're going to hear God's heart in it. I believe that God, after what, what Miss Morgan has spoken, what he's been showing Julianne, what he showed my wife, what he's showing you guys, man, he's highlighting this. We need to grab it. I encourage you to stay where you're studying in, 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 your, in your scripture time, in your personal time. But I encourage you, I'm, I am reading I'm reading these three chapters of Matthew every day until the Lord tells me to stop. I'm adding it to my normal Bible time. I encourage you. I feel like this is where God has us at as a house. And so I encourage you and you young people, all you, all you younger ones and you teenagers, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, just keep reading it every day. It doesn't take very long. And the more you read it, the more you, the Holy Spirit will highlight something in it. So this is where we're going to be on Wednesday nights. And again, if, if you can't get here, uh, and those of you that maybe are teaching, uh, I feel like it's very strategic for where, where God's taking us as a house. So if you, if you can't be here in person, please get caught up online. Watch it. Ask Holy Spirit to highlight to you the things he needs to highlight. But let, let's hear the voice of the Lord for this house. Amen? But then I thought, okay, uh, after last week's message on the pursuit of, of, um, on the pursuit of righteousness, and then where the Lord led me this week here on the Sermon of the Mount, I thought, man, I just, I just got to give an overview to the house this week of this sermon. So it's difficult because I'm going to want to teach verse by verse, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to overview uh, the, the key things I feel like the Lord's going to highlight over, the, over these next six weeks. But then also as you're reading over these three chapters every day, then I want you to kind of have some of the perspective uh, that I'm going to give you this morning to be looking forward at as you're going through it. And I believe God's just going to, I believe he's going to reset. I believe he's going to recalibrate. And I believe he's going to fix our eyes upon him. I believe he's going to heal your heart. I believe he's going to deliver some people. I believe people are going to receive healing in their bodies. Amen. And hunger and thirst and the promises that he gives to the Beatitudes, you're going to be able to experience them in greater measures because it's the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Um, so here we go. Uh, I'm going to drop one verse that's in this sermon. Again, it, it, it begins in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, and it doesn't end. It's in until Matthew chapter 7 and verse 28, so you've got to read it all together. But I just want to drop this one verse in here real quick, and, uh, because I, <clears throat> I, believe it's, I believe it's important. And uh, I, believe, I, I really feel like it's really the pinnacle of the whole sermon, this one verse. And it's in, it's in Matthew in chapter 5, and it's, it's, it's following 
uh, his instructions on on loving our enemies and 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 uh, how we handle that, how we pray for them, how we bless them. And but in verse forty-eight, I don't know if you had, if this has ever messed with you guys or not, but this is a verse that messes with me. And uh, this is what it says. Again, I believe it's really the pinnacle for the whole sermon. I believe everything in these three chapters kind of points and is based and flows out of what he's trying to get us to grip in this verse. And it's so powerful. But he says, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. How's that settle on you when you hear that? Seriously, how's that settle? I'm like, whew, I just kind of want to back up into a shadow somewhere. Come on, somebody. And I hear that, and I think, man, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I just have a hard time being good. Good, right? And, and he says in this, and he says, uh, therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Uh, this is the reset. What that means is, is that we're to walk in all the light that we have in the way that the Father walks in the light. And he wouldn't call us to aim for something that he wouldn't give us the ability to fulfill. Come on, someone. So the exhortation in 5 and 48 is that we would, is that we would, man, grab a hold of this, guys. It's that we would embrace a lifestyle of a hundredfold obedience. That that's our aim. How do you want that to be your target? Come on, someone. Like, I want that to be my target. I want that to be a realistic aim and target in my life with the help of Holy Spirit in my life, with the strength of the Lord. I read this verse, and again, I thought, man, I, again, I have a hard time being good, and so being perfect, just as a father is perfect, seems unattainable. but this is what I want you to see in this verse. The key in this verse, what, 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 what resets us and recalibrates us today as we hear this word and, and again, the heart of it, the key is the pursuit in that this should be my aim every day. My aim shouldn't be that, that, that we've heard so many believers quote, I'm not Jesus. Right? We've all heard that. I'm not Jesus. He knows me. I'm a hot mess. And I'm this. And I'm that. And I handle things this way. And blah, blah, blah. This is my personality. And blah, blah, blah. You know what? You're a new creation in Christ. The blood of Jesus is in you. And the goal in Matthew 5, 48 here is that until he returns and you go see him, his DNA in you should be changing you to be more like him. So even though I wasn't perfect yesterday, my aim today is to be more perfect. Come on. And to recognize where I did fall and to repent of that and to say, God, mold me and assure me and equip me and strengthen me and align me and help me not settle in to the line of the enemies that this is going to be my life until I see Jesus face to face. Amen? And so it's not as much as I expect you as my child to live this way or else I'm not, I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to be pleased. Man, that is not the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father is to love you so much, saying, hey, I can help you get here. I can help you get here, but you've got to make sure. And again, he had just saved and healed and delivered. He's got all these new disciples coming. The multitudes are gathered around him. He gets up on the mountain, and he's given them instruction how to encounter the kingdom of heaven on earth in their life. 
But so often we want to we come to Jesus, get out of the hell that we're living in and all the hurt and all the pain and heal us. And then we want to live our own life and we live, we live in darkness somewhat and in emptiness and void, right? Because our pursuit is our own pursuit and we're just wanting him to follow us around. But the reality in this word is, guys, is that he's given us, he's given us an aim. He's get, that everything I do, I'm pursuing Jesus. What would Jesus do? How would he handle this? How would he forgive? How would he overcome this? How would he handle this conversation? What's his desire? How does he see the people around me? Amen? And in everything, we're growing to, to, to live in the light as he is in the light, as he is our aim every day. Amen? You good? It's being obedient to the light that you have, and then as you do, your light increases. What can you do today? Walk in the light that you have today. That measure's a little bit different for each and every one of us, depending on our maturity level and our knowledge of the Word of God and our, and our, and our intimacy and relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? So don't, don't try to walk with me. Don't try to keep up with me or, or don't wait for me, man. You, your goal today for each and every one of you and you young people is to walk in the light that you have. Aim to be perfect as he is perfect. Aim to walk in the light as he is in the light. Walk in that light that you have. And as you walk in obedience to that, that light is going to increase. Come on. And you're going to mature and you're going to grow. And then there's going to be some things that maybe, that, that, that maybe was acceptable to you a month ago. But as you grow in the light, man, that's stuff is going to fade away and it's going to go from what was light in your life to now it's dark in your life. Come on. And you're going to increase from glory to glory to glory in the presence of the Lord. And all of a sudden, the question isn't going to be, man, how close can I get to sin and still stay saved? The question is going to become, how close can I get to the glory of the Lord and how much more flesh can I kill? And if we want revival, if we want a move of God, it's going to have to come at the cost of us aiming to be perfect as he is perfect and being willing for our flesh and our comforts to die, knowing that his reward is so much greater than whatever our flesh is longing for. I might, I might preach on community next week since it's family day, but, and, and I believe in community, and I believe that we need one another, but there's such an emphasis in the church today for friendships, and what makes me happy is closeness and this and that. And I'm like, man, listen, that's going to become a distraction because you can be best friends with everyone in the church and still be empty. If you want the whole field, if you want to walk full of the glory of God, your aim just can't be on how comfortable I am with how many good relationships I have. Your aim has to be how close and how intimate can you get with the King of Glory? How can I get out of my comfort of pleasing myself, having pretty church on Sunday, and then just living my own way all throughout the week, and I've got my own closet full out of my pain, full of, full of my unforgiveness, full of the people that I don't like, and this and that, and God's saying, you're going to have to let me take all that away from you if you're going to get close to me. Come on, somebody. Isn't that so good? This is what he's saying to us, man i got to get going. I'm not even going to get past this introduction. It's a kingdom lifestyle. It's, it's setting our hearts in this way. Some of you need to get back up. 
Some of you need to get back up. Some of you failed, you need to get back up. Some of you struggled, you need to get back up. He's a good father. He's a good father. Get back up. Son, get up. Let me dust you off. I'm going to run down that road, and I'm going to meet you. I've got a crown. i got some sandals. Come on, somebody. i got a big old, I got a big old hog on the smoker out here. We're going to have a party. Get back up, son. Get back up. Get back up, daughter. And if you got people in your life that hurt you, let them get back up. Stop holding them down. Because I promise you, you've had to get back up at some point in time, too. If not, you're going to have to. Let's help one another. Let's grow. And let's begin today letting God heal our hearts and aiming towards his perfection and growing from glory to glory to glory. The heart of this whole sermon is is to motivate believers to have courage that they can walk in the light that God gives them. Amen? Chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's hundredfold obedience. And here's the beauty of this sermon, and this is what encourages me the most out of these three chapters. If you know of anyone struggling in their walk with God, direct them to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 and ask them with humility and purity of heart to evaluate themselves accordingly to what's in those three chapters of Scripture and ask God to forgive them where they've, where they've, where they've lacked and where they've fallen and ask the Holy Spirit to lift them back up on their feet again and begin to pursue it begin to make him their aim again. I'm telling you, it'll it'll change their life. Pretty much all of our counseling and marital counseling, relational, any, everything is, can be done right here in the, in these three chapters. But here's the beauty of this sermon is that we're not aiming in the dark. We're not aiming in the dark. He's given all the multitude right here, the pathway, the pathway to his glory, the pathway to freedom, the pathway to walk in light. And it's so absolutely powerful. So we have this clear target of what God wants. And that's what I'm going to share with you. Amen. Everybody good? Okay. So again, uh, this is a struggle because I'm going to give you stuff that I really want to preach on, and I, and I don't have time, because I want to, I want to give you a, a big overview. Again, be here on Wednesday nights, because we're going, to, we're going to dig really deep into some of these things. But, but this, is what, how I would, this is how I would encourage you to, to really look at these three chapters and define these things, um, three different key areas, uh, as you're reading through these three chapters, okay? So first of all, First of all, beginning in chapter 5 and verse 1, we have the Beatitudes. Amen? Can I just say something about the Beatitudes real quick? They're not just pretty. It's not just a pretty saying that we've heard before that would make a nice picture in our living room over our couch. Jesus has a multitude at his feet that have just been saved, healed, and delivered. And the first thing that he says, the instructions for them to be perfect as he is perfect, to walk in the light, to walk in the glory of the Lord, and to ultimately really walk out and live a kingdom lifestyle is he, is he gives the instructions of these eight Beatitudes. I believe, Ben, you can take these eight things and, and, it'll, and walk in them. It'll actually, absolutely change your life. 
So, so first he gives these eight, eight Beatitudes in chapter 5, 1, 1 through 10, okay? And then, and then, and then uh, I, I don't have time to read this to you, so, so I'm, I'm giving you tools, but write this down. I want you to write this down. After he gives the Beatitudes, he, he, he talks about being salt and light and how he fulfills the law, but then... Then Jesus gives the multitude of disciples following him. He gives them six temptations to resist. Now, we know there's a lot more temptations, but when you really look at these six temptations, most all other temptations somewhat fit in these six categories. Okay? So he says, guys, live this way, and here's going to be the result of it. And then he gives us, now in our, in our blueprint, and then he, now he tells us, now on the journey of, of walking this out, walking out the Beatitudes, he says, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna face these things. And I'm going to need you to resist. Amen? Resist. So he gives, he gives six temptations, and you'll find them in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 21, and then it, it, and ending in verse 48. Okay? So he gives, the, he gives the direction, and then he gives an equipping to look for what to resist, and then, then he gives five um, kingdom activities to pursue so he says here's how you here's how you here's how here's what I want coming out of your life in order to do that you're going to have to resist right and then not only are you going to have to resist you're going to have to pursue and then he gives us five disciplines I would call them that need to be in your life to truly live out this kingdom life it is it is a blueprint for a kingdom lifestyle amen Again, it starts all right here in Matthew chapter 5 with the Beatitudes. And, and, and Jesus calls, calls his disciples out to walk in them. We, have, we, we have, have we read this? Did we read Matthew 5 yet? Just four? Huh? I read through 10? Okay, that, that's fine. Let, let's, I'm gonna, again, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break each of these down in depth Wednesday night, and then we're going to move on through that. But, so we have these Beatitudes now. Now, this is what I want you to see. Each of these beatitudes has a virtue and a blessing and a, and a promise. So, the blessing, where it says blessed. Blessed means, blessed means happy, but not, not the world's view of happy. Um, because the world's view of happy is circumstantial, Right? Right? I'm happy when everyone's being nice to me. I'm happy when everything's falling in place, rightly. That's not what it's talking about. It's blessed. But, but where Jesus says blessed are, blessed are, blessed are the pure in heart, right, where he says this, it means vibrant in spirit no matter the circumstances. How's the church going to be the light of the world if they're not vibrant in spirit? A lot of the church is walking around with as much pain and darkness and hurt and more, more, more frowns than crowns. Come on. Because there's a lack of vibrancy because we're not, living out, we're not living out the design of God that results in vibrancy. 
So he says, blessed are, which means to be vibrant in spirit. So Jesus combines a specific virtue or, or a character trait that he wants us to develop, and then he puts it together with a specific promise. And then he says, when you pursue the promise and the virtue together, there will be a vibrancy in your spirit. You'll be blessed. So when you are when you are when you are pursuing mercy, when you're pursuing to be merciful, the promise is that you shall obtain mercy. And in that pursuit of that, you will have you'll have vibrancy in your spirit as you're pursuing the ways of God and not the ways of your flesh. It's powerful. It's so simple, yet it's so complex. It's so easy but yet it's so hard to walk out. Come on, somebody. So this is our target, these eight, these eight virtues. <clears throat> these eight virtues. And to walk in the promises related to them with, with vibrancy. So this is, our, this is our aim. This is our aim to Matthew 5, 48, to, to, to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is part perfect and to walk in that light. And as we, as we seek the Lord, we commit ourselves to walk in them. Now, now let me, let me uh, just say this real quick. <clears throat> it, it's, important, it's important to know that we, uh, that we experience these virtues and these promises progressively. Like little by little, we grow in them, we mature in them, right? Right? Like we grow in our experience of them as we seek the Lord and we commit ourselves to them, okay? But, but this is what we also need to see and really be aware of also is that we can also diminish in our experience uh, of them. Come on. The experience of the virtue and the blessing as well by neglecting or refusing to pursue these eight beatitudes. So, so, so by, through our obedience, they can grow and increase. Come on. But then also by our disobedience, come on, then we can see them in, in decrease and experience less and see less of those promises being fulfilled in our life. So th this is where God has us at. This was, this was kingdom action that he was calling calling. Calling his follower, uh, his followers too. So let me let me say this real quick. Help us, Lord. Reset, recalibrate. Uh, many of our problems in life as believers are rooted in our neglect of the Beatitudes. Truly, like if we looked. And we're, we're going through something, and we're feeling dry. We feel like we're in a desert, and this or that or whatever, blah, blah. We can, we can usually go back with an honest heart, a, a humble heart, and say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me where I'm off here. Reveal to me where I'm not experiencing these promises. And you really begin to look at them with a pure high eye, and God begin to, to show you where you've not forgiven, where, where you've lacked pursuit, where, you, where, you're, where you're not pursuing a pure heart or whatever, all of these different, where you're not operating in meekness at. Come on, in relationships or with people. or I mean, it, 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 almost, all, almost everything come back, and you can see he, see it here in the in these eight in these eight virtues and eight things that God's called us to walk out. So God help us, Amen. Help us, Lord. 
And Jesus says, so Jesus says, you want to you live in order? You want, you want to be in order? You want to, you want to, have, a, you want to have a vibrant spirit? Um, follow my blueprint. Follow my blueprint and live out a kingdom lifestyle. Amen? The fulfillment that some of you might get by being obedient with your gifting isn't going to give you a vibrant spirit. You can operate in the strength of your gifting and be completely empty and void inside. It's not about that. It's about our pursuit of him. It's about our personal time. It's about our intimate life. Come on, somebody. It's about what our focus is. It's about, it's about what, what our perspective is on. Isn't this good? Help us, Jesus. Amen. He says, follow my blueprint and live a kingdom lifestyle. Now, I don't have time today, uh, but, but again, starting, starting this Wednesday, I'll spend more time breaking down each of these Beatitudes. I feel like people, uh, there's a few of them that are, you know, pretty obvious. But then again, what's it really look like? What's it really look like to operate in meekness? Amen. And what's it mean to mourn? Mourning isn't sorry. Mourning isn't being sad. Mourning isn't grieving the loss of flesh or people in our lives or that that kind of thing. He he he, he that, that he, we we carry that grief. It, this is a spiritual mourning that he's talking about. Okay. Anyways, I could go on and on and on, and I'll do that Wednesday. So you got to come. Uh, but but this is what I'm going to back up and say. Guys, can we, can we just hear the heart of the Lord today of what he's given to us? And, and I encourage you, if you, if you, again, if you can't be here on Wednesdays, um, watch them online. But uh, read these three chapters every day through the month of October with me. Every day. Do it in the morning, wherever you can, whatever your time is. But, but commit to reading these three chapters every day all through the month of October. Amen. I believe God's going to reveal some great things to us. Uh, I'm going to back up just a little bit. And uh, <clears throat> I feel like I might be repeating myself, but I feel like some of these things need to be driven home a little bit. Uh, in this sermon, Jesus goes on again uh, to list these six specific temptations. I'm going to give them to you, and then I'm going to give you the five uh, things he tells us to engage in, these five kingdom activities or disciplines. So, uh, and Because they all, they, they all go hand in hand, the Beatitudes, the temptations he warns us of, and then the, the disciplines that we need to be having operating in every day of our life that then will empower you to resist the temptations that then enables you to walk out the Beatitudes. Come on. So all of them have to be in place in our life. And guys, a lot of times we neglect it because we're lazy. And as I said last week, we live more for us than we do living for him. Okay, so God, help us to get that reset and recalibrate in, 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 in our lives. Everybody good? Okay, um, so the six specific temptations to resist and the five kingdom activities to engage in to develop these beatitudes, you're going to have to continually resist the six temptations that knock on your door, and then that's not enough. You also have to pursue. You remember, you remember last week I read that, or I was talking about the pursuit of righteousness, and I read that scripture, and it tells us to do both things. It says to, it says to resist the enemy, right? So there's the resistance, and, and a, lot, a lot of people in the church I find just live right there. They just try to live on the defense all the time. I just got to try to love Jesus and try to keep myself from doing anything really, really, really bad right? I just got to try to resist as much as I can. But, but you're never going to survive that way 
because you can't just live on the defense, you have to live on the offense. And I feel like probably if you were to look at the church as a whole, this would be the area that, that we lack and need to grow in, is it's the pursuit of him every day. It's the dis- disciplines that he put in place for us to operate in that would, that would strengthen you to live out a kingdom lifestyle. Amen? And so we're going to talk a little bit about these here. And, and again, this is what he's given us. But if you learn anything through the Sermon on the Mount, it should be that kingdom living is not idle. It's not idle. And I feel like this is where our reset's at. This is where our recalibration is at. So a lot of times summer is so busy and people are running. they got sporting events and this and that and they're tired and life happens and we just kind of start living and then all of a sudden our, our aim, come on, isn't the perfect to be perfect as he is perfect. It isn't how close can I get to him and these different things. And we need to be, we need to be recalibrated. But, but, but the, again, this whole message that Jesus is telling, he didn't just say when he got up to the mountain, hey, I heard all of you guys pray the sinner's prayer. Now go into your neighborhoods and try to hide from the enemy the best you can and just try to survive. I'm going to come back one day and when I come back I'm going to make all things right and then you're truly going to be perfect. That's not what he preached, man. Those people came up around that mountain and Jesus looked at them and he said, man, I heard your cry and I came and I met you and I want you to know that, that my, my blood has covered every sin in your life. You are covered with grace. I now call you son and I now call you daughter. Now you got work to do. You can't just hang around anymore and just do what you want to do. You've got to go pursue and run hard after this kingdom lifestyle if you want to experience my glory from from glory to glory to glory, and, li- and live and walk in the light as I'm in the light. I mean, this is the heart of Jesus in this whole sermon from, from 5-1 to 7-28 is you got to get up and move. I will help you, and I'll empower you, but I won't do it for you. See, a lot of times we're crying out for freedom, we're crying out for breakthrough, we're crying out for deliverance, and we're expecting Jesus just to do it without us having any pursuit or any really true willingness to change in our life. I'm preaching way better than you're responding. Come on, somebody. How many are thankful Jesus loves us enough to bring this church in alignment today? So we're going to walk through this a little bit. I'm going to give you some of this, and you're all going to be here Wednesday to dig in even deeper. But the Scripture says it's violent. It says it's violent. Didn't say it's easy. Didn't say late. It says it's violent. You want to, you want to really change, you've got to get violent. Someone, someone, someone comes attacking your house and there's no one else there to help you or your family. At some point in time, you're going you're gonna to fight to death. At some point in time, you're going to get violent. And you are gonna, you're going to bite. You're going to kick. You're going to pull hair. You're going to throw stuff. Come on. You're going you're gonna, to, you, with every ounce of life inside of you, you're going to fight for that thing. But if you only understood that if you would get to that place of desperation and begin to violently pursue the kingdom of God, the things that God would release in you and in your family would be so great. These promises that follow the Beatitudes released in your life are immeasurable. Come on, somebody. Okay. 
All right, let me give these to you. You guys, uh, can I, can I, I'm just going to give you the, the, this, I really want to preach on each one of these, and I can't. I hope I'm making you hungry to go study this. I'm going to, I'm going to identify the six temptations, okay? So, as you read that this, this week, here's the six temptations. Here's where they're at. We've got the Beatitudes are in, in 5, 1, 1 through 10. Matthew 5, verse 1 through, through verse 10. And then the temptations are in Matthew 5, verse 21 and through 28. And here's what they are. <clears throat> I'm just going to tell you, uh, help me, Lord, not to preach these. The first thing he says if you're gonna if you're if you're gonna walk out these beatitudes, if you're gonna go through my design and live a kingdom lifestyle, you're gonna have to deal with the stuff that's in your heart, and you're gonna have to resist anger because you're gonna want to get mad. You're gonna want to get mad. The spirit of anger needs broken out of the kingdom of God. The spirit of anger needs broken out of the house of Jesus. Come on, somebody. The spirit of anger needs broken off of you. See. Move on, Scott. He knows us. He knows our flesh. <clears throat> he knows how passionate we are. Come on. He knows us. And he's like, listen, I created you. I know you. But follow me. How did Jesus live? How did he handle things in his life? But Jesus says, if you're going to fulfill these eight beatitudes, you're going to have to let me deliver you from the spirit of anger. So he says, avoid the temptation of anger. Then he said, avoid the temptation of immorality. And everything is wrapped up in there. But you're going to have to resist. You're going to have to resist. When no one's around and you're all by yourself and, and, you're, and, and your flesh starts to crave something, to see something or read something that it shouldn't, resist. If you want to experience the kingdom of heaven in your life, you're going to have to begin to resist. You know the good news about that? is the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So if you want to begin to resist, you need to get full of the Holy Ghost, start walking and in, in walking in the, in, in the Spirit and living under the Holy Spirit's influence instead of the influence of your flesh. Quit trying to do things on your own strength. Come on and die to your flesh and get in the Holy Spirit of God. And the more you get in Him, the more you're, He's going to empower you to begin to have self-control to say no to stuff. But Jesus says, if you're going to live out these eight beatitudes and, and, and experiences the glory and the promises that I have for you, then you're going to have to resist the temptation of anger, and you're going to have to resist the temptation of immorality. And then he says, you're going to, you're going to have to, 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 to resist the temptation of disregarding the marriage covenant. You want to experience... The kingdom of God in your life, he's like, it's going to get hard because you're both flesh and you're both human and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to, you're going to let each other down at time to time. You're going to have mountaintop moments and you're going to have full desert moments. But Jesus says, he says this to every one of us, God. Man, we need an awakening of what the marriage covenant is in the church today, guys. It is a willingness to lock arms and say it was for better or for worse and I'm not going to leave you covered up in your sin. I'm going to pick up you alongside of me we're going to get under the grace of God we're going to let him heal our hearts it's going to hurt each step but I guarantee you every step of pain that you take that pain will get less and less and less and in the end you'll be walking in glory together and you'll have a level of intimacy and joy and peace and fulfillment in your marriage that you could have never dreamed of before 
but I'm not supposed to preach on these. I'm just telling them to you. See, I have no self-control in that area. Holy Spirit, help me have self-control to not preach all of this in one sermon. Resist, resist anger, resist immorality, resist disregarding the marriage covenant. Everybody say, don't quit. And then he says this, and you guys, gonna, you guys just have to go study all this and be here on Wednesdays, but then he says, uh, resist the temptation of making false commitments. That's a big deal. You know why? Because people need to trust you. And you need to be honest. And though you might want to do more than you can sometimes, it says resist, resist, resist this temptation of making false commitments. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. It's his word. His blueprint is so good, guys. It's so good. And then, and then the fifth one, he says, and this kind of messes mess with all of us. This, this one hurts the flesh, too. Then he says, resist the temptation of demanding personal rights. <laughs> that, would, that is not a popular message in today's culture. Resist the temptation of demanding uh, personal rights. You know what he says? Go beyond what's required. Go the second mile. But see, I can't. I can't. I have got to do better because I've got somewhere that I'm going. All right. And then, the, and then the sixth one, are you guys getting these okay? Then the sixth one, he says, and this one's huge. He says, resist the temptation of having a spirit of retaliation. Oh. Oh, no, no. No, no, no. They deserve this. Now, they scripturally deserve for me to put them through as much as I feel like I need to put them through to pay for what they did to me. And Jesus says, how about I put you through what everything I need to put you through to make you pay the price for your neglect or hurt and pain that you've caused me. Now, you know, that's not what Jesus says. But yet, this is where the rubber meets the road because this is our flesh right here. This is our flesh because we do feel. And you know what, uh, Anita? No one can hurt us any more than the people that are closest to us because there's no one that we love more than the people that are closest to us. Man, I love you. I think you're awesome. But if you hang around here long enough, I'm probably going to disappoint you in some way at some point in time. There's a good choice, chance. I may and probably already have. <laughs> Come on. There's going to be something that we don't agree on. There will be something. Our relationship in some way will face friction. It's going to face something. Let's get over ourselves. Let's humble ourselves unto the Lord. Let's allow him. Let's pray for one another. Let's bless one another. And let's make sure that we're resisting the spirit of retaliation and we're forgiving and that we're not just forgiving, that we're blessing so that we can experience the, the promises of God's glory that he releases in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. Come on, somebody. 
Well, Pastor Scott, you don't understand the depth of my pain. You know what? I promise you I know and understand the depth of your pain. What caused the depth of our pain at some point in time may have been different, but I can tell you I've heard at that depth. Most people in here have at some point in time in different ways. God, raise us up and help us to lock eyes on you and help us to aim to be perfect as you are perfect, God. Let this be a house of people that are healed and healthy and whole, that are living and walking out a kingdom lifestyle according to your blueprint and not their own blueprint. You guys good? Okay, so those are the, those are the, the six um, temptations that he tells us that I was not supposed to take so long on. And then here's the five activities, or I really don't like the word activity because activity just kind of makes it feel like something you got to do and check off. I like, to, I like to use the word disciplines. To me, these are the five kingdom disciplines that Jesus was so good that he gave us that if we are actively walking in these disciplines every day, come on, you'll be able to resist those six temptations, and the result is going to be living out the Beatitudes. You see the see how it works together. So, the the five act, uh, um, disciplines are in Matthew in chapter six, and they're in verse one through eighteen. And I'm just going to tell you what they are, and then I'm going to finish with a verse. And I hope that I just made you hungry today to dig in this sermon and let God speak to you over this month of October. But the first kingdom activity is is prayer. That, 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 that you, it, listen, you've got to establish a prayer life. You grow in prayer life. You grow in it. But you've got to start somewhere and begin to communicate with the Lord. But he says, listen, this is going to have to be a discipline in your life. If you're going to resist the enemy, if you're going to draw near to me, part of the pursuit, pursuing me and seeking me is living, living a lifestyle of prayer. So the first discipline he, he gives us is to do just that. It is to begin to seek and dive in an intimate place of prayer with the Lord. Amen? And then the second is, is the discipline of fasting. I tell you what, I think, I think the, the church as a whole never grasped this. I felt like the church as a whole felt like it was something that the, the, the uh, superior leaders or super spiritual people were supposed to do all the time. But Jesus says, when you fast, fasting should be as regular as an activity in your life as prayer. You should have a day a week. You should have times every week that you fast a meal or fast a day or do so. But that fasting, again, it's not, it's not, it's not earning, oh, God's going to see me, my, my spirituality. No, man, it's for you. It's for you killing your flesh. And it's for you hungering for more of him. This is a discipline. You study it out. I'll be preaching it on Wednesday nights more. But I'm just telling you, this is what he gave us. These are the disciplines. He says, if you, if you, get, if you, if you get disciplined in these things, you're going to be empowered to resist the temptations, and, and you're going to walk in these eight beatitudes. So it was prayer, and then it was fasting. And then he talks about uh, the discipline of giving and, and stewardship and how we handle our finances and, and what our goal is in in those and then he and then he and then he uh, and then the fourth one is serving serving one of the things you see all through the New Testament about Jesus life is he came to serve he came to wash feet not have his feet be washed 
Everywhere that he went, he went with the attention of how can he serve these people. Amen? And so Jesus says, here's some disciplines. Grow in your prayer life. Get a prayer room. Get in that prayer room. Get so hungry for God that you don't walk out of there until you start experiencing him every time that you walk into that place of prayer. And begin to fast. Begin to crucify your flesh, man. Let it be a regular discipline that's in your life. And, and, and begin to get discipline in your giving and in your stewardship. And, and, and let, me, let me say something. That's not just your finances. That's your time. And it's your talents. But get disciplined in your stewardship. And then he says, get disciplined in serving. And, and everything that you do, it should be in the mindset of, how can I serve? How can I serve? How can I serve these people? How can I serve my church? How can I serve my family? How can I do these things? And then the fifth one, the fifth discipline is, is, uh, is, is forgiving and blessing your enemies. Live with this continual discipline in your heart because you will continually be hurt by people and let down by people. And so Jesus says this fifth, the fifth discipline is to love your enemies. Live with a heart of forgiveness and release. And not only forgiving, but the other end of that is actually blessing them. Blessing them. Isn't that powerful? Five, these five, five di- disciplines are key in empowering you For what? If you do these things, what's it leading to? If you can, if you can really truly get engaged in the, in these, not just be be uh, duties that you check off, but these things are are your pursuit of being perfect as He is perfect. You're aiming to to for your heart to be molded like His heart as you're doing as you're getting disciplined. You, you're you're aiming for your eyes to see what He sees as you're growing in these five disciplines, and as you do, the result of that, the empowerment from that, is going to be you're going to become poor in spirit. And you're going you're gonna to grow in spiritual mourning. And you're going you're gonna to increase in meekness. You're going to obtain hunger and thirst for righteousness. You're going to become merciful, guys. Your heart's going to begin to be pure. You're going to walk and live as peacemakers. And in the end, you're going to be able to endure persecution. Can I tell you something? That, that is enduring spiritual warfare. We interpret that all along, that, oh, uh, blessed are those who, who, who are persecuted uh, for my namesake, like, like someone didn't like my Facebook post. Man, that's not, that's not what that's talking about. It's talking about when you begin to live out this lifestyle and begin to live out the kingdom of heaven on earth, and you begin to experience the promise of God, Satan and all of his little enemies are going to come after you. They're going to bombard you. That's the persecution. That's where the warfare is going to come in. It's not going to be easy just because you say yes to God today and no to your flesh. Matter of fact, that battle is going to get harder, but you're going to get stronger in the battle. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. Blessed are those that will fight through the storm when it gets hard because the enemy brought in a bunch of lies. When the enemy brought in some manipulation about your life, when he said something about your family, your wife, or your children, or he did this, or he he sold this offense. Blessed are those that get enough backbone in them that they can stand in the righteousness of the Lord and still be able to maintain a pure heart. 
still be able to resist the temptations of the enemy where in their weakest moment because their heart hurts, they didn't act out in the spirit of anger. Come on. So good. This is going to help us. If you'll let it, this is going to help you. If you don't just hear this, but live this, this is going to change your life. There's a realm of glory that you haven't even fully tapped into. There's purposes for God that he has to release out of you that's just waiting for you to step into your destiny as a child of God to truly live out a kingdom lifestyle and not just living like you're saved. Come on, somebody. What's not popular about this message is that it puts responsibility on us, Lucas. I just want to be powerful and full of glory with little effort. That'd be awesome. I definitely don't want to get uncomfortable, and I definitely don't want to feel pain. And Jesus promises us just the opposite of all that in the Scripture. Yeah. Help me, Jesus. You guys want me to keep going or maybe just a little bit more? Oh, yeah. oh, I didn't bring my water bottle today. Okay. Let me, let me say this. Let me just give you a few, a few more things just real quick, okay? Oh, is that new? Oh, Jacob. Thank you, buddy. I really need that. Oh, Lord. I don't know what mountain that didn't come from. <laughs> Some of you got that. The rest of you are going to be like, what was so funny? Help them out if they didn't laugh. Can you, can, you, can you give me 10 more minutes of your undivided attention to hear what God's going to say? You ready? Like, pull, just pull up for just, just pull up. Pull up for just a moment. <clears throat> I believe this is what ministry impact is measured by from God's point of view. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. I don't, I don't believe it's by how much money that you have or how big your ministry is or how many people come to it or how many people don't come to it. I believe this is the measurement of a kingdom lifestyle right here. This should be our aim. This, this should be our aim in everything. This is how spiritual maturity is measured by these eight Beatitudes and the rest of the Scripture that comes. And here, here's the, the good news is that, is that, that when, whenever God gives a commandment, let me, let me help somebody real quick because I feel like you're like, I think I can do this. I, I'm going to try harder. But, but it's, it's not about you trying harder. It's about you dying more and then letting him do it empowering you to walk it out because because this is what I want you to hear today whenever God gives a commandment there's always a promise of the of enabling to obey it so anytime God gives gives a command there's a promise of him enabling us to fulfill it to obey it so when God says blessed are the pure in heart you know what that means he's saying I'm going to help you be pure if, you, if you'll put the, if you'll get, if you'll get rooted in these disciplines, come on, and and and, and if you'll resist these temptations that's going to come in your life, they're coming. They're there, guys. They're there, right? 
And if you'll stand in under that, and if you'll seek me, if you'll pursue me, if I'll be your aim to be perfect, as I am perfect, and to walk in the light, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to empower you to have a pure heart. You're going to grow in purity of heart. Amen? And that's, that's the beauty of this is it's obtainable. But, but here's, here's what I'll finish with, and this is what I kind of want, where I, where I feel like as a church where we're being reset and recalibrated at. And, and so I'm going to look at, I'm going to look at these eight Beatitudes, like, let's just, let's look at them like they're flowers. So each of the Beatitudes is a flower or a plant, however you want to do it. Pick one. Okay? And our, your soul is soil. Okay? So when we look at these eight Beatitudes, we look at growing in them and in our pursuit, and, and, and it comes to this place of everything living needs, needs watering and it needs weeding, right? It, need, it needs things done to it. So, so when I think of these eight Beatitudes, I, and, I, and I think of them as flowers or plants that, that, that grow in the garden of my heart, in the garden of my heart, I want these things growing. I want them healthy. Come on. When, when, when people, when, when, as I'm maturing and as you're maturing, as people see me, I want them to see that, 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 we're, that, you're, that you're poor in spirit, that you have spiritual mourning, that, that to see the fruit or the flower of meekness, these things that are growing in, in the garden of our host. But here's the reality, and this is, where we, this is where we have to get recalibrated or reset sometimes, is guys, they, 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 they have to be taken care of of. They have to be taken care of. They, they, they have to be cultivated. And even at that, they don't grow automatically in our life. Right? Like just time itself, if you were, if you were to do nothing else in your pursuit of the Lord, these eight things are not going to just grow over time as you get older and lose hair like I do. If anything, not only are they not going to grow, but they're going to diminish. And the temptations are going to come, and you probably, most people will end up caving underneath them and end up hurt and pain and loss. This is such, such an important, so this is the awakening I feel like that God is speaking to the church about, is we've got to begin to tend to the soil and the garden of our heart with, 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 uh, with intensity and with violence, understanding that I'm not going to let anything keep this from growing and maturing in my life because I want the promises flowing through me. I want to experience all of God. I'm tired of playing around with this stuff, man. And the cost of it is God's presence and anointing and peace on my life. It's not worth it anymore. I'm digging my foot in the ground, and I'm going to get violent. And if anything comes to move me from this place that God's planted me at today, I'm going to, I'm going to bite and kick and growl and pull hair. I'm going to do whatever I've got to do to fight that thing. Because I'm tending, I'm taking care of the guard of my soul. Because I want all that God has to do in me and through me. Isn't that good? Amen, right? So they don't grow automatically in our life. It's like, like watering and weeding the garden. When we, when we, weed, when we weed the garden, we're removing, we're removing everything that hinders the growth of these flowers. That's, that's where the resisting comes in. Some of you need to remove some stuff today. Delete that. All of us. There's not a person in here. Can I help you? Let's help one another out. There's not a person in here that doesn't have things in the soil of their heart that doesn't need to be pulled out. 
Every one of us. We need healing. We need deliverance. We need set free from strongholds of bitterness and pain and offense and sin that we've let in and all of these different things. Come on. Come on. Come on, God. This is where he has us at right now. See, things are about to get real. How, how, much, how much do you want what God's given us the ability to obtain today? Because we've got to pull some junk out. We've got to pull some things out of the garden of our heart, man. We've got to release this stuff, get those weeds out, burn them up, throw them away, get them out of our life in a way where they can't come back. You know where you do that at? Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Get it under his blood and it'll die. Amen? Amen? Not good? Okay? But then that's not enough. That, that's the defensive, and we're, we, we, sometimes we're okay with doing that. But then that's not enough. That's not enough just to remove the weeds and hindrances. The garden still won't grow <clears throat> properly if it's not nourished properly, right? It's got to have water. It's got it's to it's be fed. The garden, it's still just not going to grow properly if it's not nourished properly. So we have to have water. We have to have nutrients, man. And this is our work. This is, this is, what, this is what we have to do. We, we resist with the help of the Holy Spirit. We recognize stuff that we've allowed into the soil of our heart. And we say, Lord, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm weary. I'm drained. I, I, I'm, 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 just, I'm done fi uh, fighting that battle the wrong way. I want this thing out of my life. I want this bitterness gone. I want this anger gone. I want the unforgiveness gone. I want the offense gone. I want the alcoholism gone. I want the drug addiction gone. I want this gone. I want it gone, God. And you lay it there at his feet. You get it under the blood. Come on, someone. And you pull those things out. I'm releasing it to you, God. I'm releasing it to you. I want to walk in your favor. And then you got to water that thing. You got to water it. You got to water it. I am not good at watering stuff in the natural. I plant, I plant grass, and my neighbor Frank, his yard looks like Holiday World. It's beautiful. My yard's right next to his. He's my next door neighbor. They don't look the same. And I'll plant stuff out there, and i put good seed, and he'd come over there and help me. And, and he was like, now, Scott, you got to water this. And, I mean, you can't sprinkle it and then walk away from it. Like, you got to water this every day. And I look, I'm like, Frank, I'm not here every day. I just don't know that I can fully maintain that. I can, but I'll, I'll do as much as I can and this and that. And, and then I'll water it, and then I won't be able to water it for days. Then I'll get home and Frank will come over and he's like, Scott, you water that, that grass seed? I'm like, Frank, I'm not retired like you. Can you water my grass for me? Long story short, I have no idea why I landed here. But that grass is dead. I pulled all the weeds out. I got his little tiller. I didn't just pull the weeds. I got his little tiller and I tore that ground up. Like I made sure that there wasn't anything in that soil right there that didn't belong there. It was fine. It felt good. I don't know if you've ever done that, but sometimes it's just liberating. And then I put the seed in. So I got everything out that needed to be out, but I didn't put back in what needed to be put back in 
for the grass to grow healthy and strong. This is where we lack at. This is where we get lazy, and this is where we live more for ourselves than for the king. And if we want to live out Matthew 5, verse 48, to be perfect as he is 48, we've got to begin to die to his flesh and begin to realize that the things that we're compromising for, that we're leaning in on more than him, don't even have a weight compared to what he has for us. Isn't that good? Okay, I feel like I need to land this plane. Do I want to do this? Let me finish with this, and I want to... uh, Actually, uh, Brother Craig, if you want to come on up, that way we'll be ready. I'm I'm just going to share a few more things. You guys got just a few more... Grab the end of this, okay? Jesus finishes this sermon in chapter 7, and he he says this, he says... He says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, he says, I I will liken them to be a wise man who built his house on the rock, and when the storms come, it's not going to fall. Jesus says, after this beautiful sermon, I'm going to liken those that actually paid attention to me up on this mountain today and didn't just clap and say amen but I'm, I'm going to liken those that are going to leave here today, and they're going to walk this thing out. They're going to they're follow my roadmap. I'm going to liken those people to people that built a house on a foundation. And Jesus uses this analogy because he knows it, that, that the thing that will always rip you off your foundations is the storms in life. And just as there's always going to be storms in the natural, there's always going to be storms in the supernatural. So Jesus te- te- teaching to a whole bunch of brand new followers, and he wraps all this up and says, you want to get in a place where nothing will move you? Hear my word and do it. Read it every day. Ask yourself, am I, am I meek? Do I have a pure heart? Am I, am I seeking righteousness? Uh, on down through there, these eight beatitudes and these things. And then, I, and then I'll finish. Here, here's just one more, and I want to pray over you. <clears throat> he, sa- he said in Matthew 6 and... And 22 and 23, this is, this is really interesting. So this, this is another pivotal moment in the whole sermon. <clears throat> but he says, the lamp of the body is the eye. Can everybody pay real close attention to this? This gets confused with people. The lamp of the body is the eye. He says, if therefore your eye is good, then your whole body will be full of light. The lamp of the body, what is a lamp? A lamp is a source of light, right? So the source of light in your body is your eye. So he says, the lamp is, is the, uh, of the body is the eye. Therefore, if your eye is good, then your whole body will be full of light. In other words, vibrant of spirit, blessed, right? Blessed. But if your eye is bad, then your whole body will be full of dark. If your eye is bad, your whole body is going to become full of darkness. Once the enemy gets your perspective in the wrong place, your whole body will become dark sooner than later. Come on. Once the enemy gets your perspective off of the one true pursuit that matters,
curse. Your life will end up in darkness and void. It'll feel like a desert. You'll feel like God doesn't hear you and you're not hearing Him and it's hard to worship and you just, you, 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 your flesh is just going to begin to scream, God. Jesus is so good. He says, church, your eye is the eye of the body. And when it's full of light, your whole body is going to experience the light of glory. What's it mean to have a good eye? about your eye being good. It's not talking about your natural eyesight, or I'd be in trouble. He's saying, he's talking about vision. It's all about vision. What's your vision? Is it all political? If your vision's all political, guys, man, your whole body's going to become dark. You're gonna, it's going to become miserable in your life. What is it? I feel like this is one of the biggest obstacles in the church because people love Jesus, but Jesus isn't their vision. You know what their vision is? How far can my kids go? Will they make it professional? Will they play on a collegiate team? How much money can I make? How many positions can I gain? How many friends can I get close to? How many people can I get to love me more? Like that, that's just, we hate to, that's, that really is real life, guys. Like that, a lot of times that's our vision. Man, Jesus, I want him to be my only vision. I do not want a big church. I do not want a small church. I do not want to make people happy. I don't want to make people mad. I just say, I, I want my eyes to be good. And the only way that my eyes should be good, Lucas, is he is the only thing that I'm pursuing every day. And in that pursuit of him, I have got to get disciplined in these five activities. And as I'm disciplined in these five activities, Jesus is changing my heart. And I'm being healed. And my pain's going away. And I'm forgiving my friend. And I'm forgiving my spouse. And I have hope again of his restoration power. And all of a sudden, I'm walking as a king. Come on. And all of a sudden, the Beatitudes are beginning to flow out of my life. I, re I reckon life to be like going down the interstate. And there's just billboards on both sides the whole way. We, I just drove 2,400 miles in three days. I saw more billboards. And most of them were for things you shouldn't have. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. And you're going to leave here today, and as you leave here today, you know what you're going to see? Going down the road, in your life, and when you get home, and with your spouse, and with your pastor, and with the other people, there's going to be these billboards flashing by you all the time. You know what they're going to be? They're going to be distractions. They're going to be things that try to get you to pursue them. Turn off here. Turn off here. I'm driving down the road. I'm hungry, but I'm wanting to get another 80 miles down the road. And then all of a sudden, there's a big T-bone advertised up on the billboard trying to say, hey, 
turn off here. Take this exit. These are in our life everywhere. Lucas, God's purpose for you is so much great, but it is not going to be easy for you to get there, guys. This is Jesus' message. It is not going to be easy, but it will be a lot easier with me, and I'll empower you, and I'll equip you. But we, church has got to have some backbone. We've got to get locked in on him. We've got to get good eyes because the eye of the body, come on, man. The eye, is the, it's the heart. It's the source of light. And if the eye's good, the whole body's going to be full of him, full of light. But if the eye's bad, once we lose our vision, once we lose our, lose our focus, come on, man, come on. It won't be long, and the whole body is going to begin to experience darkness. And they're good. Blessed are those who hear these words and do them. I reckon them to be like a man that built his house on the rock. And when the storms of life came, that thing did not even move. But Jesus says, the ones that hear the words and do not do them, it, it, it actually says, how great will the fall be? Destruction. Isn't that good? Amen. So that's my introduction to the Wednesday night classes in October. I look forward to seeing you all there. It's going to be great. Let's give the Lord a praise offering. I love his word, man. I love his word. I don't know. I may stay on this on Sundays, too. You never know where I'm going to land. If you need to go, I'll release you to go. But I want to give it, I want to give us just a minute to. Here's a really clear invitation for you to come and put some weeds at the feet of Jesus this morning so that then you could go out and begin to water and put nutrients on good soil in your heart. So I'm going to have Craig just lead us in a song for just a moment. Listen clearly to me. I'm going to have you stand. Sure, you can do it right where you're at. But I'm going to tell you something. The altar's for altering. And there's something real powerful about humbling ourselves sometimes and stepping out and walking down to this place and truly just laying our face before the Lord. I believe that we're resetting. I believe that we're recalibrating. Come on. I believe God's going to kill some flesh. He's going to pull, help us pull some weeds out. So I'm just going to give the invitation as Craig leads us in song. As you, as you stand, I, I just want to give you the invitation for you personally to come down at this altar and, and, and identify and recognize with the help of the Holy Spirit weeds and stuff that's in the soil of your heart that need to be pulled out. You come. Everybody stand and let's worship. But you come and, and come and lay these things at the altar as you feel led. Come on. Just let's let's desire. Jesus said in there in Matthew 6:33, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Amen. What is that? Chapter 5, verse 5 or 6. Then he says in 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. In his righteousness, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, his ways, and then all other things shall be added unto you. Jesus, we give you our hearts. We give you our brokenness. We give you our pain. We give you our desires, our sin, our flesh. I pray for good eyes right now. Pray for good eyes. Pray for good eyes.
this with me. I will not be held captive by fear. Fear has no place in my life. I operate in full confidence of the King of glory to become anything and everything that he created me to be in Jesus' name. I am a child of God. We are anointed ones for his glory, ambassadors for his namesake. Come on, someone. We are called 
to live righteously on this earth and to live a, a kingdom lifestyle and to experience the kingdom on earth right now. We step into that in Jesus' name. I will not be intimidated by failures or the thought of not being able to fulfill it. I am more than a conqueror through him who saved me in Jesus' name. He is enough. When I fall, he will pick me up as I look to him. I'm running hard after him. My eyes are the lamp of my body, the source of light. Jesus, we declare today that we are giving our eyes to you that our vision is of you and it is of you alone. It is running to your throne. It is running to your feet. I declare that we will not be distracted. We will not be pulled away. We will not slumber. We will not slow down. Come on, we will not turn left or right. I declare today, Jesus, that we are locked in with you and we are empowered by your Holy Spirit to fulfill it in Jesus' name. We're coming from glory to glory to glory to glory. Who may ascend the heel of the Lord, he who has pure hands, clean hands, and a pure heart. So Lord, purify our hearts. Purify the soil of our hearts, God. Let every weed and every foreign thing that doesn't belong in the soil of our heart be be purged out today in Jesus' name. And may we live here empowered by the Holy Spirit to be disciplined, to fulfill the disciplines in prayer and fasting and serving and giving that you've called us to give, God, so that we can live out this 8B attitude kingdom lifestyle for your glory. I'm forever changed in Jesus' name. I'm forever changed in Jesus' name. I'm forever changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Love you. See you guys Wednesday. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time, 